1: So uh, today I'm actually not going to be preaching, someone else is going to come preach, but I simply want to give a quick introduction uh, and say this, and you know, this has never been a strong suit of mine, so just kind of hear my heart through this, is, um, you know, Chris is going to come preach today, and so... and I don't know. Months ago, uh, Chris and Anna came into church and they sat over here. And, and I can't explain. I don't know if you've ever had this, but but it was like I was sitting here and the Lord was like, "You need to meet them. There's a there's a draw. There's a reason I need to go meet them." And uh, anyway, so there's loads of details in that. But I went and introduced myself, and a few weeks later, uh, we sat down together in my office and we met. I don't know for like two, three hours, something like that. And, and it was so funny. In the course of that conversation, uh, it was almost like we were on the first date. It was just, it was like, it was. Like like we were scared, right? And so, uh, so you know, Chris said, I, "I'm really, I'm really, I. How do you say? It? Basically, I don't want to, I don't want to scare you." And I said, well, I'm worried about scaring you today, so just say whatever you want to say. You're not going to freak me out, right? And, and as he began to share, all I can say is this, and there's a handful of guys that have, that have fallen into place like this in my life, but immediately I knew the guy was of a like spirit, a like heart, and, and that small group of friends that I have that I would say that those are the guys I'd say, hey, man, we're, I need to hear from God, and they'd say, man, we're going to fast and pray until you hear something. He's one of those guys immediately, and I know that's a Jesus connection, and I don't think God sent him in his wife here by accident i think god has a purpose for them in this church now for you guys that have never met chris chris uh th- is this first time you've ever really preached first time he's ever really preached so he got he got he got he probably doesn't feel that way but that's okay so so chris got radically saved and and immediately there was radical obedience to god and that's my kind of person and, and uh, anyway, so he's been to seminary, and he's been okay. I want to answer the call in that first conversation we had. He said, look, the Lord told me this this amount of years. Will you please train me for ministry? So that's conversation. And I just know as a, as a guy that uh, obviously... Maybe didn't have the best backing when I stepped out in ministry. It's really important for people to come alongside of you and believe in you and give you opportunities. So I just simply ask today that you would open up your hearts and just go, Jesus, talk to me. Because I believe if you open up your hearts, God will speak to you today. Amen. So if you guys can, welcome Chris Hine.
0: Thank you very much. All right. Good morning, everyone. Yes, so as he said, my name is Chris Hine. And for a lot of you, that is a new name. And a new face. So let me first say just how humbled and honored I am to have the privilege to share today with you the beauty and truth that is in God's Word. And that said, I just want to tell you something you probably already know, and that is how very blessed you guys are to have a pastor such as Pastor Quentin, who is burdened with a fire for the righteousness of God, and everybody in between, I feel very blessed. And I just want to say thank you for welcoming, welcoming me here today with you guys to share. So let's pray, and then we'll get started, all Right, Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, just to come and Seek your face and seek your word, Lord. We pray that you would just open our hearts and open our minds, God. Give us a new vision for what you have for us, Lord, and let these words sink down deep into our hearts and take root. We love you, God, and we thank you for all that you've given us in this life, and we ask you, Lord, that at this very moment, it be a place where you can change us and make us move further with you, God. So come today and let these words resonate with us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's get on with it, right? All right. I wanna start today by really piggybacking off of what Pastor Quentin has been teaching thus far this year, topics like repentance, sanctification, the refiner's fire, first kind of love, and a living sacrifice. I wanna share with you a truth that not only changed my life and perspective, my relationship with God, and my purpose in his kingdom in an instant, but it is a concept that continues to shape my life daily in that secret place, that place where we find God every day in prayer on our own. In the past couple weeks, we heard about sin and possible hidden sin, and how these things can keep us from entering into the fullness of God. And today I just want to talk about some things that are not necessarily sin, or not necessarily hidden, but are possibly things that are hanging on the walls of our hearts in plain sight. And that's going to make a little more sense as we get on with it. So today we're going to start off in Mark chapter 10. I'm not going to throw it up there right now, but here in a minute we'll get there, I promise. We will get to Mark chapter 10. And what I want to talk about is this. I want to discuss what I believe the Bible is showing us to be an essential mechanism of a deeper relationship with God. In essence, through this sermon, what I'm trying to get you to grasp is this, that there is more. Right? As a church body, we've been going deeper and deeper week after week. But invariably, as we find in this Christian life, there is more. We never stop growing. As Leonard Ravenhill would put it this way, he said, There's no finality to Christianity this side of eternity. So if you're sitting there thinking you've arrived today, this might be a bumpy ride. And as far as arriving, look, we're all in process and sometimes I'm not even sure what road I'm on. I missed the past two road signs, as far as I can tell, I'm at least heading north, which I think is the right direction. I wrote, that's a joke and I hope people laugh. So, Um, all right, so let's open our hearts and see what God has for us today, right? Um, I wanna start by saying this, there's more to this Christian life, this side of eternity than simply going to church every Sunday. And there's more depth and breadth to the gifts and the moving of God than a five-minute devotional time in the morning. Some people always say, ouch, that hurts. Now, before everyone stands up and leaves and goes home later and burns their devotes, let me say this. Those are but a few of the essentials of a well-rounded Christianity. They are good, and we should be doing them. But the reality is there is so much more that God is calling us into. And by calling us deeper, he is also calling us higher and closer to him. There's a richness and a deepness to the Christianity that we are missing by not asking God when it is evident in his word that there is more. What is it you want from me, God, so I can have more of you? Take from me, God, and fill it with you. And not more of you for my sake, God, but more of you, God, so I can be useful here on this earth for your purpose and your glory. Or as Pastor Quentin put it a few weeks ago, that my life counts for something here on this earth. Right, I don't think any of us woke up this morning saying, man, I hope this day doesn't really count for much, right? I think we all at the end of our life want to hear that, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, that every day lasts, that every day makes a difference. Now let's get to that idea of wanting more. If indeed there is more, I think one of the big misconceptions, which I think is an issue by and large in Christianity, is that somehow that that more includes me. More aptly put by John the Baptist, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease right? We want more in the sense that we want to see that fire fall from heaven, but we don't want to let it burn us at the same time. Now, don't miss me here, all right? I'm not preaching asceticism, which is just a fancy word for material things are evil and bad. So, you know, like all things are bad if it's not Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the reality is, as the Bible assures us, God has good things for us. He does. He wants to prosper us, but it is for his glory when he does it. And yes, he wants us to be happy. He does. But that happiness is a happiness that this world cannot give us. It is a happiness and joy which, as a byproduct, is produced by way of a right relationship with God that glorifies him first. So, as Paris Reed had said it, he said this, Yes, God intends to make man happy, but as a byproduct, not the prime product. You see that prime product? It's this right relationship as seen here in Galatians 2.20, where it says, I have been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The right relationship assumes that it is Christ living through us. It is no longer us. It is no longer about us. The happiness is the joy of experiencing a life that is lived in concert with the thoughts, the desires, and the love of Christ. So again, happiness is a byproduct of a right relationship with God. So if indeed there is more, as we will see in Mark 10, and I promise we're getting there, um, if we want more of God, we will have to concede that invariably means less of us. In other words, in order to have more of God, we have to exchange some part of us for that more of God. It might be something that we enjoy, something we might hold dear, something like sports, news, Facebook, TV, movies, Netflix, golfing, hunting or fishing. I don't know a lot of guys in here are like saying, don't say hunting or fishing. Please don't say hunting or fishing. It's likely something we enjoy, something we like or desire, something we're not quite sure God can replace with an equal joy and an equal happiness. It's not sin. That really isn't the question, is it? The question is this, as the writer of Hebrews asserts in the first verse of that 12th chapter. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So let's bear that out a bit. I like how the Amplified does it. So if we can put the Amplified up there, I'll read from that. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. You see in it now? He isn't just talking about sin. He's talking about every unnecessary weight. So I suppose a question might look like this now, right? What is weighing me down? What is weighing us down? We'll circle back to that question here in a little bit. And so we move on. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. So the writer says, strip off every weight and sin. But not only that, but do that while looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. You see it now, the writer is saying that we shouldn't just cast off all sin to run this race. In the Amplified it says, stripping off every unnecessary weight and looking away from all that is distracting us. You See the question isn't that of sin or not sin, but rather is it moving me forward or is it slowing me down from what God is calling me to, from what God is calling all of us to. And indeed he is calling us to something more, but it comes at a price. The thing God is looking to exchange with us isn't a higher calling at the expense of sin in our life. You see, at this point, this is a given in our Christian walk, right? God seems to be asking us to give up the things that are in an unnecessary weight on the journey he has called us to and all the things that would distract us. The question, I suppose, is this, put differently than some might posit the question, but the question, nonetheless, is this. If there is more, is there a price we aren't willing to pay or is there a price that is just too high? So now let's look at Mark 10 in the case of the rich young ruler for whom there was a price that was too high. And as he was setting out on this journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery. Do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept for my youth. And Jesus looking at him, and notices, he said, Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then he calls him to something and he says, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And I like how the Amplified does it in verse 22. He says, But the man was saddened at Jesus' words, and he left grieving, because he owned much property and had many possessions, which he treasured more than his relationship with God. This it starting to come into focus here, The sort of exchange that I was alluding to. We see here the possessions of the rich young ruler were too great, and for him the price was too high. The exchange was just too much. And I would make the assertion that that young man wasn't willing to trust that Jesus' offer could provide a greater security for him than the security his riches could provide for him in the here and now. A very temporal view of where we put our trust and faith. You see the problem with this thinking? I do. Because it's the very thinking I struggle with often as God is calling me to something deeper, maybe something uncomfortable. As he's calling me to be obedient to something that I might think seems irrational by worldly standards. The problem with his thinking, that is the rich young ruler, is the very same thinking that grips me in that broken world out there. And that is this. His mind is trying to rationalize a temporal security with an eternal security that he can't quite touch, see, or feel. It is the very same problem that broken world out there has. They want to feel loved, pursued, adored happy, and secure, but Satan has sold them a bill of goods saying there's only one way that they can do this, and that is apart from the frivolous constraints of a mean God trying to limit good-hearted men. And I would even say there may be some of us here today who hold that very view, and they are lost. They are the living dead, you might say. So let me tell you right now, you don't have to go watch some zombie movie on Netflix to see the living dead. All it takes is a park bench in Camden, or a sidewalk in Thomason, or the breakwater in Rockland. People who, because of their fear of losing their temporal happiness, their temporal security, refuse the happiness and joy of knowing Jesus, and thus are dead in their trespasses. To put it more bluntly, as a wise old theologian put it, Jesus, and, and I'm going to add to it, right? so Jesus didn't come and die on a cross to make bad men good Christians. He came to make dead men live. Wow. So for their sake, for the sake of the lost, are we willing to take part in the daily exchange where we, for the sake of the loss and the glory of God, come to that quiet place daily and offer up all that we hold dear and say, here you go, God. Take what you want. Leave what you want. Give me anything you desire. It's all for you. Humble me and show me, God, your true happiness and what you have for me, not what I have for myself. So that is this, God. If there is more, I want it, no matter the cost, right? Let's look at how Abraham approached this tough call by God. For him to sacrifice his only son was logically counterintuitive to the truth he had been told by God. Would Abraham trust God who promised him descendants as many as the stars through this very son whom God had called him to sacrifice? Would he trust the security of God's promises or the security of the son he could touch, feel, and hug? A writer of Hebrews puts it like this in chapter 11, verse 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, to whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that, there's like nothing else here, he just goes, he considered that God was able to raise him even from the dead. I don't know about you, but ten times out of ten, that's not where my train of thought goes, right? Right? I mean, instead of thinking that, I'm, I'm thinking, like, I'm not sure if this is a good idea. I mean, God did promise me this son for whom millions and millions down through the generations would be named. Instead, Abraham's thought process was, God is good and just, and he has never failed me. So this is what he thought instead. Instead of thinking, like, God can't raise him from the dead, the only logical explanation for him was God must be able to raise him from the dead. Does it not say in reference to God's words or promise, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty. That's Isaiah fifty-five, eleven. 11, right? Abraham was convinced of this fact, though it hadn't even been uttered in the history of time yet. Abraham's logic was this, that if God said, I promise you B, then no matter how God got from A to B, B was a given. In essence, no matter what was happening, Abraham believed that there was more. Now, if we are to believe, God's word will not return empty. If we are to believe, as Abraham believed, let's look at Mark ten seventeen through twenty two again in the Amplified. As he was leaving on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, "Good teacher, you who are essentially good and morally perfect, what should I do to you to inherit eternal life? That's eternal salvation in the Messiah's kingdom." Jesus said to him, "Why do you call me good? No one is essentially good." by nature except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not testify falsely, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother and he replied to him, teacher, I have carefully kept all these commandments since my youth. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love and a high regard, a compassion for him and he said to him, you lack one thing, go and sell all your property and give it the money to the poor and you will have abundant treasure in heaven and come follow me. Becoming my disciple, believing and trusting in me and walking the same path of life that I walk. But again, he walked away saddened. Now, as we look at this, I want us to see one thing first before we go any further. Everybody wants to hop right on the rich young ruler and see him as a man who was unwilling to give something up. And in essence, he was. We're quick to point out this guy's faults, which really honestly shows us maybe how much we have in common with the rich young ruler. And how hard it is actually to do, as Ephesians 5 one says, to be imitators of God. Because what is actually happening here in this verse is two things, is what we're seeing. We're seeing that first being that Jesus is loving this man, and the second is that he is calling him to something more. Well, hold on, you might say, isn't Jesus asking him to give up the one thing he knows he doesn't want to give up? And I don't think so. And this may just be my opinion, but what Jesus seems to be doing is first loving this man. It says it right there. He says, and loving this man. And second, offering a young man who is truly seeking more. You don't hear arrogance and pride. Jesus said, you know the commandments, go and do these. And he says, I have been faithful to do these. You see a young man who ran up and knelt before who he knew to be the Lord and said, I want more. And then you see Jesus calling him and inviting him to go deeper. I think a really cool way to look at this, and I don't know if I have it on a slide here. Um, it's the CEO of Voice of the Martyrs put it like this, kind of like how Jesus is treating this young man. He said, It is simply Jesus being Jesus, openly, honestly, loving all of those who seek him earnestly, inviting them to take the next step down the narrow road of mirroring his love to the world as he mirrors the love of his Father to us. There is more. There is a deeper calling for a deeper purpose and for a greater glorification of God through his ability to use us if we will meet him there. If we will meet him at that crossroads of, our, of where our desires meet his calling. And there in light of that, in light of Colossians 3.3, 3, which says, For I have died and you, your life is hidden with Christ and God. We find that God, in exchange for our desires, gives us his. And the joy and the happiness that accompanies it. That joy and happiness that we can't get from that world out there. If we will meet him back at that altar every day and allow him to begin to sift our hearts, to begin to remove those things in our lives, to create voids in our hearts for him to fill, we can begin to answer that calling so that we can begin mirroring more perfectly God's heart for that lost world out there. So let's be like Abraham. Let's not think that God will simply fill those voids, but he will do so abundantly, as Paul affirms in Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. It's more than we ask or think. That God would replace the joys of this world with a joy we can't express. And he would replace the securities of this world with security we never knew possible. So as I circle back here and try and tie this whole thing together, let me say this. Just like God is calling us daily to deeper relationship with him, through the reading of his word, through time of private prayer and worship, I think the one thing we have been neglecting as a church, and I mean ecclesiastically, across America, across the world, is the exchange that God is asking us to make daily and seasonally in our lives so that he can replace what we think we want or desire with what he knows we need in order to better serve him. And there we'll find our greater joy and our greater happiness. And to make that more relevant and personal, God wants to replace some things in my heart, in your heart today, this month, this season, and this year, so that we can begin to partake in the making of disciples of all nations, to see those lost folks in Maine outside there who hadn't a clue who Jesus truly is, where thousands come to know him and his goodness like Maine has never seen before. Yeah. I want to challenge you guys today, as, I, as much as I'm challenging myself, if, if we really care about all those people outside those walls, our neighbors, our co workers, our friends, and maybe even family, it's time we start meeting with God daily and asking him what he needs us to become less in so he can be more in us for his glory and his calling in our lives. So what I hope we can all take away from the sermon is simply this. That God is telling us a very simple truth that there is more he wants to do in our hearts because there is so much more he has for us in light of it. So I think in closing, the question is this. How are we going to respond when Jesus says, well done, but you lack one thing? We're gonna answer Jesus whatever you say, Lord, for your glory and your purpose, Lord, have my life in every area therein, or are we gonna walk away sad? So today let's resolve in our hearts to ourselves and to God to accept that invitation to go deeper, to let God have all those things that are hanging on the walls of our heart and let him decide what stays and what goes. Let's choose less of us this week, this month, and this year And take God up on his promise. Because for me, because for us, and for that lost world out there, I truly believe that there is so much more. So let me pray for us real quick. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for just how good you are, God. That you want us to come to know you more. That you walked up a hill 2,000 years ago because you loved us more than anything. You were willing to give everything so that we could have our only one thing, the one thing we need, and that's you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done in our lives already, God, we thank you how uh, you've grown us. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just begin to sift our hearts today, that you would put a burden on our hearts for those lost folks outside the doors pray, God, that you would just start a movement today, that you would start a fire today in this church and in the hearts of us. That we would burn with passion and love and pain and hurt for those people out there who you love, God, who you died for, who you deserve. Thank you, God, for all that you've done in this church so far beautiful expression of your love this church has been to the community and I pray God that you would just continue to grow that you put a desire in the hearts of every member of this church to see more of you to grow more for you God so that we can not just have more of you but so that we can be useful in your kingdom God we want to hear well done good and faithful servant we know that there's more we want to be a part of it Come fill us today. Fill us with your fire. Fill us with your truth. Show us what we need to give to you, God, so we can have those things that will give us true joy and happiness. Give us that relationship with you that we desire, that we can't feel like. We feel we're just not getting there. Show us what's keeping us there, Lord. Show us the walls and make us new. Thank you, Lord, for this day. And as we go, I pray that. Jesus name amen
1: amen you guys can stand to your feet I just want to add one thing to that you know the other day when Chris came and he um, sat down in my office and we were talking uh, as he was going through his notes one thing I kept thinking about is this and just want to remind you if you can just kind of lodge this thought in your head and your heart when you leave today it's simply this that the further we go in God the less we can take with us right? That's what he's saying. The further we go in God, the less we can take with us. And if we want to, if we want that more, if we want to go further in God, then we got to be the one that's going to decrease. God won't dis- decrease, right? He needs to increase in our hearts and in our lives. Amen. So Jesus do it in us, right? Jesus do it in us Do you have all of us. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a
1: great week and God bless.